Welcome to an episode of the Defo Mohapi Show, hosted by myself, Defo Mohapi. Thank you for taking some time out to listen to this podcast. The show explores the impact whether famously or infamously some of my guests have had on the world, their views on the state of the world currently and what they think needs to be done to make our world better, or at minimum, how we can all get along better and do better. Make sure to head over to radio.iafrican.com, that is radio.iafrican.com, and subscribe to get notified on new episodes of this podcast and other iAfrican radio shows. I hope you find this episode insightful. There's a quote by Frederick Nietzsche that says, without music, life would be a mistake. And uh, I think I'm sitting across the table from a man who's doing their part to make sure that our lives are not mistakes. Would you agree with that, Jules Kennan? I don't know if it'll be a mistake. I mean, it will definitely be a mistake. I mean, yeah, there'll be a huge void. I think without music, I'll go even harder than that. Without music, there's no life. I tend to agree. I mean, for those people who are not aware of what you do, I think you all is uh, involved in music distribution, digital music distribution through a company or his company called Afrikori Music Group. But something I found working in, in, in talking to musicians and of, of all, all levels in terms of established artists and even up-and-coming artists is that in this day and age, some of them still don't understand how companies or the role that companies like yours play. So I've heard, to give you an example, some would say, are these the guys we just send a file to and they just click upload? So do you care to explain a little bit more beyond just uploading songs to the internet? What do you do? I mean, it's, um, it's actually very pertinent. Um Thing one, I will answer your question, but it just made me think about one of the most important points. People ask me, what do we need, I guess, as a whole in Africa? And actually, it's even worldwide. But what is the single thing that we need the most in order to help the industry grow? And I always say it's education. It's a lot of the, the artists, the managers, the players in general have, I believe, a lack of understanding quite of of the basics of what rights are, what are the different rights, who does what, and the role of the different people and how to to structure a release and how it works. So it's interesting, the, the digital distribution business in Africa was, was born really because I've been in digital for a long time now, uh, for maybe 20 years, maybe a bit more than that. And... Um, when I moved to South Africa the first time in 2005, I was I was based in Cape Town, and the uh, I realized through the friends I started to build up and connected with that a lot of the the artists and labels um, needed support with digital distribution, and for those who were the most astute, they were getting deals usually with distributor in the U.S. or in Europe, okay. and they were not getting the same deals as European artists or labels, and they, will, they were definitely not getting the same support as the people overseas. So I said, look, and I had a number of friends who came to me and said, you work in digital before, can you help me with this, can you help me with that? So I kind of contacted them, tried to resolve a few issues through network that I've had, if they were using companies that I knew. And I once said, look, it's enough. I think it's time that 
we start a digital distribution infrastructure um, focus on African music, African artists, African labels with direct distribution deals with all the different stores around the world. Okay. And in terms of for my, just the listeners who don't oh. understand what you mean, stores, so you're talking about Apple Music, Tidal, Spotify, Exa- etc. Exactly. Yeah. So we, we, we launched Africor in 2012. And when we launched Africor, so there, there is three, I mean, there's waves in digital music. The first wave is really the, the mobile product, mobile like ringtones, ringback tones, wallpapers. That happens everywhere in the world. And then when that starts to peak and fade, a bit before that, you can see download. So iTunes store uh, in Africa, we've got some local download stores like Mdondo. A lot of the stores offer a combination of download and streaming, even though download now is, is getting, is getting uh, less. less and less in terms of revenues. And then really the, the, the last wave that comes in is streaming. Which, has, which for many people, they don't even understand the concept because, you know, what is streaming? I understand to download, I understand owning a song, but here it's the, the concept moved from ownership to access and uh, the model is different. So when we came in 2012, I made a few, I mean, I, mean, I still make mistakes, I guess, but I made a few mistakes. Yeah. One was I was expecting the mobile music offering to disappear quite quickly. Why was that? Because it, it did everywhere else in the world. So everywhere else in the world, the, the cycle went down quicker. Here in Africa, it didn't. And it's starting to fade in certain countries, but some of the operators are looking to give it another life. So it's still one of the prominent revenue generator. Also, yeah. you have to understand that mobile music consumption, what I call mobile, like the, the ringtone, ringtone, ringback ringbacks, yeah. works very well in a space where you don't have a smartphone. Yes. So it's in a feature phone environment, and feature phone in Africa is still has. It's a big. A, it's still big. It's still big. Yeah. So of course, those people want to have access to music and want to be able to personalize their phone, and uh, the ringback tone is a is a great um, product for them. The um, the download have had the cycle, but what happened very quickly is that streaming video streaming like YouTube. And audio streaming like Apple predominantly, and also some local African-centric stores like Boomplay, like yes. Dido, like there's a few like Music Time with MTN being launched yeah. now, taking over that space. Um, so when we launched in 2012, I said, look, there's already enough people in the, the mobile digital mobile space. I don't think we as Africa will be able to add much value. They have those direct deals. They have the understanding. They have the, the expertise in marketing in that space. So let's really focus on download and streaming. So we were very much ahead of our time in Africa in terms of streaming. And So you had a streaming store before? No, you, no, no. In terms of focusing our energy oh, on working with streaming okay. services. Um, because to answer your question about... Are we just a, a company that you send a track and we just press play or yeah, upload? Yes. What we are is you can call it a middleman between artists and labels and record labels in Africa. We only work with African music. And digital stores, the Apple, the Google, the YouTube, the, the Boomplay and so forth around the world. Why, there, why is there a, middle, a middleman? Is because the stores cannot deal with hundreds of thousands, if not millions of artists directly. You True. imagine it will be like millions of contracts. Artists have 
their needs, they have questions that need to be answered, they have, you know, then you need to be able to communicate with them and give them the support that they need. So those companies are working through what we call distributors or aggregators. So you've got today in the world the three major record labels, which is Universal Music, Warner Music, and so, Sony Music. Yeah. And then you've got some distributors that belong to the major record labels, which is an arm for the major record label because the record labels understood and understand that there's a shift in the ecosystem. Yeah. Uh, just to jump in there, I, I learned like earlier this year that even with Spotify, the curated uh, playlists, some of the companies that organize those are owned by the three majors. So that's the, the distributors. So yeah. the, the, yes, the, that would be a digital distributor. So, so the three, I mean, I, I can give it to you. I mean, the sure. Orchard belongs to Sony. Um, Caroline and Ingroove belongs to Universal. And Warner has a company called ADA. Yeah. Now, then you've got the big independent, worldwide independent distributors like the Believe of This World and so forth. And we really position ourselves as an African-focused music distributor for a few reasons. First of all, I've worked for the majors for uh, half of my life. And one of my job was to be in the international office. So my job was to take all Anglo-Saxon, UK, US artists and market and promote them around a network of affiliates around the world. Or I had a period of my life where I also took some European artists and did the same job. So market them around the world. Now, what happens is that because the, the worldwide market is dominated by US, UK music, I was very scared that once you start to, not scared, but I didn't think it was the right thing to do, okay. that once you start to handle African music and let's say, English or European and American music, that the share of support from us and the team will be going more towards the international than the African music. And then loses itself. Yeah. And I wanted to make sure that the whole team across the continent and wherever we are in the world sleep, eat, dream African music. So we specialize that you come to us, we know most of the artists in the continent. We have our DNA is African music. Um, African music, selling African music overseas, which is more than 50% of our, our turnover at the moment. Okay. And of course, helping grow, helping, used to be a tagline that we had, helping shape the African music business. What do you mean by that? But that is... Or set the trends? No, it's bringing the infrastructure for the, for the music business in Africa to grow. It's also, you have to remember, I'm, I'm not, it's not that bright where we came. I'm just, I'm based on something very simple in my view. We all know that the population in Africa is growing exponentially. We all know that there is, for the last 30 years, there's a, across the continent, there's a mass migration towards cities, urbanization. We also know that it's the youngest continent in terms of population in the world. The population is the youngest one in the world. Yeah. So we've got urban type of music in a population that explodes and who are young, meaning that they really want a certain type of music. They want to dance, they want to live. Music is essential to their life. And on top of that, if you look today, the music consumption in Africa of African music is between, I will say, 60 to 90%, depending on the country. So you go to Ethiopia, it will be even higher than 90%. Angola would be 90%. Yeah, I was just there. That's all you hear. It's, it's local yeah. music. 
You go to Nigeria, it will be 70%. In South Africa, it's around 50-50. I mean, I don't know the latest figures, but, you know, around that. And it depends who you, who you monitor as well, because this, we have all, you know, the gospel and the maskandi and, you know, the traditional music, local. which is huge. Yeah. Very huge. And, I mean, local music should, could be also Afrikaans music. I mean, we don't deal with Africa. I mean, I'm True. not Afri I don't think I can add much on Afrikaans yeah. music, but uh, definitely it's a, it's a strong uh, genre in this country. So let's focus on local music. Let's focus on Africa as well. And when that wave is going to hit, we want to make sure we're very well positioned. We're at the center of the wave fair, yeah. to go further than anybody else. And yeah, we've been doing it for seven years. It's been, if I knew what I know now, I would have definitely not started the company there. But I think that's usually what people say. I was about to say back then, I mean, the, the digital music was still in, in, in infancy, if I could say that. Yeah, it was. And so, we so were as well. So you were, you were setting sort of, not setting the trend, sort of uh, just a little, a few years behind the curve before it started. Yeah, we've been too early. I mean, the, uh, I mean, I said it before, um, I was, the first time I came to South Africa, I think I've done most of what a white European man, I don't know if I'm white, but a white European man <laughs> that comes in this country can do wrong. Yeah, yeah. So I'd managed to learn from my mistakes. So when I started Africa the second time, I definitely, I mean, the main point was get ready for a very long marathon. Be ready to be resilient. Be ready to travel a lot because people want to see you. They don't want you to answer to an email. Be ready to come back and meet the same people you met six months before. Don't think that just coming once and leaving will help. Take the time, build a relationship, spend time, you know. So I've, we've done all of those things. And I think what is also great is that I, me personally, I believe I had certain credibility when I was living in France or in London, but here nobody knew me. Yeah. Oh no, you know. So I had to make sure that we build our own credibility, and I think through the years that it's another point that is quite important. So people coming now and you know looking at the environment sometimes feel oh, we can replicate that very easily. I'm sure, but there's still works that needs to be done. There's still there's a whole foundation that needs to be built that helps you to um, to reap the rewards, I guess. And we, I mean, we're still at the very very beginning of the potential of African music. But looking back a few years when you started Afrikori as it is now and looking now where African sort of digital landscape is, what do you think has changed or what has been the catalyst of getting it to where it is, where we see a lot of, also on the consumer side, a lot of the consumer have started accepting that or becoming comfortable of with listening to music through streaming services especially and not just downloads. So we've got different, um, I will say, different ecosystems in Africa. If you want to talk Africa, if you want to talk South Africa, it's a bit different to the rest. It's a different level. First of all, of course, people are consuming more music digitally than they were. And through the age groups, which is quite interesting, older people and younger people as well. The second thing is the artists and record labels now understand that you have to be, you have to have a presence online where seven years ago they didn't feel they needed a presence mm -hmm. online. Not all of them, at least. There's a lot still needs to be done, is how do you set up, how do you market, how do you promote? It's still things that ne needs to be um, captured. And the reality is, if I don't want to focus on South Africa only, the reality yeah. is it's very simple. It's not just an artist's fault. 
you look at your business of what is the most relevant. And quite often we look at what is relevant about what's going to bring me money. Now, an artist has different revenue streams. I won't go into the 26 revenue streams that no, you can right. have, but let's say the revenue streams we can see in, in across the continent are live shows, image licensing, so doing a brand partnerships like AKA and Cruise or yes. whoever it is, publishing revenue, which is revenue from your songwriting, if there's yeah. a collecting society, so you write a song and whenever the song is played on the radio, you get money back. But that's a bit difficult outside South Africa, isn't it? There is, but it's more challenging. Yes. And selling CDs, but now people don't, don't buy CDs anymore. I mean, in South Africa, there's still Musica, but in the rest of the continent, they've stopped selling CDs for years. And of course, digital. Now, imagine that you're going to make much more money trying a live show, being booked for gigs, especially now in November and December, that you're going to make money from digital. Even in the in digital sales, even... I'm talking about most of the artists. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, because there will be a few artists, especially based in Nigeria, who can do 50, 60, 80 million streams across. Oh, that's a few artists. Yeah, yeah it's a handful yeah. and, and usually based in, you know, and even if you do that and you'll make a lot of money with that, I'm pretty sure that the money you generate through image licensing or brand partnerships and live could be bigger than that. But I've got the case with a number of artists that I know where they will make more money doing promotions of other brands on their Instagram account than they will do selling the music digitally. Now, selling music and creating the music is the raison d'être, the DNA of what they're doing it. Yeah. And that gives them the brand positioning in terms of you know what they're doing. So they can't just stop. I say, now I've got you know 200,000 followers on my Instagram. I can make, I don't know how much money per post. I don't need to release music. But, what but does they get those because they do music. You need to stay relevant yes. as a brand. Yes. So people understand that. But they might not focus on the digital marketing and promotion in the way that it could be because they don't understand that being more focused, you can have a bigger hit, maybe more sales. And it's a good habit to have because once the market becomes really, really sustainable, <clears throat> those people will start to make money. And it will start to look at it. And managers who work with them will start to say, okay, if I get my cut of 20%, let me show that I do my job well. Yep. So that's a transition that we're going to be going through and we're going through already. And that's why it's always understandable that we might not be, we're more relevant than we were to an artist or to a label, but we were not as much seven years ago. The second thing that digital music brings is international reach. So today what is exciting is that you can release a song in South Africa, and I'm a piano track, and then you're going to be heard. Somebody's going to discover it in Los Angeles. We'll play to a friend. The friend might send it to another friend, and then you're on the radio station like KCRW yes. playing the Ama piano tracks on a Saturday, 11 at night. The DJ hears it, or a music, a sync supervisor, which is the, the people who find or looking for music to put into the commercials or the TV oh, series. I see. And then suddenly you have my piano track is on a Hollywood movie. And of course you get money for that and you know everything has to be done in that the would right be way. Publishing or what No, it's it's um you, in order to put your music into a commercial, yep. you need um, to clear both rights. Publishing so and, and master rights. Okay, yes. So master rights are the recording yes, rights. Yes. So that's another 
discussion. It's, it's a one-on-one yeah. uh, music uh, discussion. Discussion. Cool. So another thing, I mean, you mentioned, you keep mentioning the difference between South Africa and the rest of Africa in terms of the landscape of music and just digital music general. What, just off the top of your head, what are some of the differences and why do you think those exist? I'll give you an example. Um, we've released an artist from Tanzania on Friday. We haven't released his video yet. In five days, he has generated four million streams. YouTube? On the album. YouTube is important. Audio Mac is another one. Uh, Boomplay is another one. Okay. Uh, YouTube is very, very predominant there. There's no Apple Music there. There's no Spotify. Yeah. He's a very big artist, but he did set up his, his album well. Um, we looking at releasing the video on Sunday. We think we'll do five or six million video in the first week. So those are big numbers. They those are. are numbers that many artists in Europe will look at and say, what? Really? Um, and there's no fake. He's reaching people who consume Yeah, it. these are not board views. Yeah, or, yeah. No, 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 no. We can't. We don't yeah. do that. First of all, you can see it's very straight away. Yeah. You can get a strike. After two or three strikes, you can be banned from YouTube. From, you forever. don't want to do it. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, so that's... The, 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 I would say the big difference is the, in South Africa, we've got at the moment more established streaming services that generate revenue. Small compared to what they will generate in Europe or in the US, but still they generate revenue. Um, we, you know, there's been a big, big conversation happening in, in Europe and the US about the value gap, which is a discussion around why a stream on YouTube will be possibly 20 times even more uh, cheaper than a stream on an ad-supported uh, Spotify offering. So you, you, you compare comparables. Yeah. I wish I had that problem. I mean, YouTube for us, even though the revenues are very small compared to the number of streams we generate, is a very important DSP. It's, it's, we're coming to a place where there's piracy, which is rife. Even yes. digital piracy, it's huge. Yeah. So having people being able to consume their audio and discover music on YouTube. And YouTube is an amazing discovery platform. I mean, of course, we, we work much closely with Apple Music and Spotify and even Deezer because the revenues are higher, because there's a real support. I mean, you know, we've got, they've got people here on yeah, the ground. Yeah, there's people you can talk to, yeah. Yeah, and they've been very, very supportive. I mean, you know, they've, we're checking yesterday, we've got a, a classical artist, South African classical artist that has generated over a million streams already. Wow. And most of it on Apple, and most of it outside of South Africa. Interesting. 90%, 95% outside of South Africa. And that's... Um, Thanks to the team, that thanks, I guess, to us as well, that have presented the music to the team, gave them a bit of a narrative and the context for them to understand. And kudos to them to have decided, okay, let's try in, this, in, the, in those playlists. And what is amazing is that the rate, because there's so many indicators that we can see now, that the rate of um, how much people like it is 95%. So 95% of people who listen to the music don't skip. Hmm. Listen to the end. It's like almost That's crazy. unheard of. It's crazy. That's crazy. So now we're pushing into the other platforms. Which I think that song could generate four or five million streams in the next, uh, in the next year. 
But then the question is, how much do you earn off that? Obviously, that's little. I mean, it's always too little. I mean, we earn a percentage. Uh, the, of that? Of what that, the artist would earn? What the artist. We earn, a, of course, a, um, a much smaller percentage than the artist. The lion's share goes to the artist, which is normal. It's a distributor. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's difficult, it's difficult to give you a, a, a rule of thumb because there are so many uh, revenues... So every stream generates a different revenue if yeah. it's the type of stream it is, from which platform yeah. it is, and from which country it is. So I give you two examples. If, you, if you, the stream was generated by somebody who was under a family plan in South Africa compared to somebody who's generating a stream on a, on a free advertising base, a freemium offering in uh, Indonesia, <clears throat> the price will be completely different. And even in South Africa, between the family one, the, the freemium one, the premium one, the student one, is it Apple, is it Spotify, is it Deezer? We've got so many, so many codes. I mean, we, and that's one of the other jobs that we do that people don't see. I mean, for, of course- You don't just upload songs. <laughs> we're not just uploading songs. Yeah. We work, we, we make sure we listen to everything, we make sure that we, we're quite selective in the number of artists that we take. Okay, so you board. don't, so I can't just come and say, no. tomorrow I'm rapping, then I give you my song and you upload. We get between 60 and 80 artists a week who come here, and our clients, potential clients who come here, and we, I think most of the time we say no to all of them. Why? Because we took the decision to focus on a smaller re number of releases and also work with artists or labels that we feel we can add value. So if the person on the other side is very volatile, you can see he's going to be working on one, one hit and then moving to another company. We don't like that relationship. Okay. We like building relationships. We that like making sense. sure that he understands how we work. We understand how he works. We have a plan. We can present his plan. Because, I mean, that's one of the things. The ideal way to work will be today, we're early November. I would love to work on a, on, a, on a project that we launch in June now. I would love to be able to go to see, I mean, it's not the best time to see the, the stores because they're very busy at this time. Yeah. But let's say in January, we see the stores with a plan. This album is going to get in June. <clears throat> this is what's going to happen for the artists in the next six months. We're going to release an EP, three or four tracks in, in March. It will be supported by video, by touring, by all kind of promotions and work. Then we're going to work on the album starting March with giving you instant gratifications, which is track that you can access straight away when you say, okay, I want to save this album. So the week leading up, the week of release, yeah. all the people who save the album gets a message saying the album is out, listen to it. That is the marketing that we're doing. So if you can get, you know, we've got um, a smart link URL for which we've yes. got data on the back. Um, that artist I mentioned from Tanzania, we got like 30,000 in a space of three weeks, 30,000 links, 30,000 uh, names on our database now, for people him. People who subscribe. Of people who, who decide to, to, to link on the smart URL. We can see where they're coming from. We can see which player they're using. We have more and more and more, and more information. It helps us when, and helps the artist or the label to market and promote the music. We're getting millions and millions, if not tens of millions of lines of data every month. Does that help with planning touring, merchandising, etc.? It can help. It not can yet. help better understanding your audience. It can help 
giving even more information to your um, to a brand. It can help you planning a live tour. Okay. Oh, I didn't realize that there were so many people in uh, uh, Dar es Salaam who interested by my music. Yeah. Or in Kenya. Oh, there's a a great festival in Uganda. In Uganda. Maybe I can go back to the festival center music and say, look, I've also have those numbers of followers in your region. Maybe it's an added yeah. value to say, you know, yes, if you like my music, don't worry, I will also bring some people okay. to the festival. And just to continue on the on the streaming revenue, just to bring it back there, I think there was something Deezer published about a, or a small explainer they did on their website about a user sort of, instead of the normal streaming model we have now of where all the money goes into one pot and it's shared proportionally across de depending on how many streams each artist gets and the platform gets like 20% or whatever they were sort of proposing a model where as a subscriber i choose and i only pay for the for the for the music i listen to so it's called the user centric model yes that's the, the user centric um, model yes yeah yeah and the okay so at the moment the way it works is every month the the store generate a pool yeah. of music that is based on the number of users that they have multiplied by the money to generate from the user. So yes. if so they've subscriptions. Got, yeah. So let's say we've got 100,000 users in this country. 10,000 a family plan. Family plan will be 75 rand. Let's say that after paying VAT, whatever, let's say 50 rand goes to the pool. That's fine, yeah. So we'll say 50,000, 50 rand by 10,000 or whatever will go to that pool. Then we've got 20,000 people who, have, who are advertising based Free user. plan, yeah, free plan. So we'll take all the advertising came, we'll put it there as well. well. So they add all the different type of revenues that came in. So they're going to say the pool for this month is 10 million rand. But this month in this country, South Africa, our consumer base have streamed a hundred million times. So per stream will be hundred million divided by 10 million. So the so there will be something like oh whatever it is whatever yeah okay yeah, ten yeah. cents per stream. That's the model, the user centric model, which is a concept that Deezer has been talking about for a while, is to say we're going to look at the we're going to look at the pool at the user level. So you, this user has spent three dollars of that user is going to his pool because he spent four dollar fifty. Yeah, we're going to look at what streams he's generated and we'll divide the stream is gener is generated to the to the money to he's those generated. artists only yeah to, to the money generated so yeah. if i'm if i'm a, a user of deezer here and i generate three dollars in my pool and i play show my josie 50 times this month and i play i don't know some weird shit yeah i'm a well, piano that nobody else no 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 <laughs> yeah. but like psychedelic music from the 60s okay, okay. That, you know jazz psychedelic that there's like 10 of 10,000 of us in the world listening to then and I play a lot of that psychedelic jazz then the psychedelic jazz will get a share of that of my money for that month we don't know what is the best model and what I'm saying we don't know what is the best model not for us distributor for artists I like the idea because it feels it protects mostly independent artists. It does, yeah. That's the, the, the idea. 
I think we need to test and see if it's true. So, but it's a model that exists. I think it's an interesting one. For us, it doesn't change anything. No, for you, I was about to say, yeah. Yeah, we'll get the reports saying, here's all the streams of this month. For your artists. Of course, for the artists, yeah. yeah. And we will just report in the same way, but just the, 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 um, the reporting itself will have been different. Okay, interesting. One thing that's been a pertinent issue as far as since digital music, even since um, Bluetooth came on on mobile phones and MP3s, has been piracy. I mean, that's been... I think it's been something that's been punted by record labels and some music rights organizations as something that's taking money out of artists' mouth. And But I, I tend to look at it differently, and I'll explain why. If you look at a genre like hip-hop, and I want to get your views on this as well, like hip-hop, it literally became popular, you could say thanks to some form of piracy because you would have DJs spinning mixtapes and put tapes out and get the artists popular and then that's how artists started getting booked and their music going around. But since digital came on, we're hearing that piracy is becoming a problem. And I we don't really have numbers. The last reports I've seen I can't remember the organization that collects the data, but was that out of every 10 digital tracks on the internet, I think nine are pirated or something like that. This was back in 2014. I'm sure it's much worse now. But do you think it really does have such a big impact? Because I, I, it doesn't seem to me it's, it's really factual. I mean, I think piracy is bad. What is interesting, and I will explain why, and I will explain the nuances as well. So, yeah, this, the, the mixtape are helping to establish artists. So what I want to do now is to go to a sports scene and just steal a few shoes because if I'm wearing them, other people will see that I'm wearing them and I think it's quite cool and make them famous. I'm not sure that uh, Nike or Adidas or Puma will be happy with that. I'm definitely not sports scene. I could do the same thing going to Checkers and, you know, and selling the latest uh, tea because, you know, I've got a lot of people coming to the office and people will see I'm drinking that tea. No. What is, look, piracy, we were the guinea pigs, the music business, we were the guinea pigs in, with, because we're the first one to be disrupted with the digital. We're one of the first. Um, I think that we acted very badly. We acted very defensively. We acted erratically because the numbers were frightening. You know, we, we had less and less, I mean, the industry lost more than half of its workforce. Uh, in terms of the rec recording industry, I mean, everybody was being fired. We kind of continued, the turnover went from whatever, from I think 20 billions to, to 12 or 11 billion. Uh, record, uh, record companies were not doing well. And with the new offering, the, the renaissance with streaming services, we've seen the industry being in its best position ever, ever in the life of the music business in the last seven, 60 years, 70 years, mm -hmm. 90 years, never the music business has been in such a good place than now. And because we can monetize more people than we used to monetize, because we're monetizing more in more countries than we used to be able to do it. And, um, and it will shift. I believe that it'll, it's not always going to be rosy. It's, it's great. It's going to come down and go up again. Um, but I think we're better at understanding the nuances. We're better at being less, I hope so, obnoxious dealing with those. You know, you have to remember, you were dealing with 
startups who didn't give a shit about the rights and just putting new music. Mm, that's true as well. And giving in. That's on, true I know. Well. I was there. I was the first set of digital yeah. Universal. No, I know. In, in we 90, were there in 98, well. yeah. you know, yeah. I was, I was, you know, we're dealing with those people. And what is interesting is uh, it changed. But now, what I get annoyed is when other industries are acting like we were 20 years ago, they should have learned. You know, when the taxi got disrupted because of Uber, it's because it was a need. You know, there was True. a real need. True. When uh, the banks need to be disrupted and real disrupted, not just discovery disrupted, real disrupted. Yes. And that could come with, you know, blockchain technology and all the other... Decentralized banking, yeah. It's enough. We've got enough to be treated like terrorists. You know, I go to the bank and I'm like, it's a favor they ma they're giving me. Yeah, I'm like, and what's the favor money. you're giving me? Yeah. It's my money. I gave it to you. What, if I give a loan, it's because I can pay back. What are you talking about? You want all the security. You don't, you know, it's like, it's, it's enough. And there's so many industries. And it's, it, it's great because today there's so much money and capital that goes into disrupting all those industries. Which makes our job much more complicated because we need to adapt much faster than we used to be able to adapt. We need to be able to, you know, it's like a few years ago was, he came from, you know, a Facebook to Twitter to Instagram to TikTok to whatever new, new offering at the moment. I mean, TikTok is already old yeah. and offering something else. It's like you need to, in terms of digital marketing, also need to adapt all the time and understand so really the job is about to learn, to adapt, to be agile, to look at your own business and see if you're not disrupting your own business, somebody else will do. Yeah. <laughs> so True. look at it. Um, so yes, in terms of piracy, I'll, I'll, I'll give you one, not quote, but observation that I've had that sure. goes into your, it does exactly to where you well, were trying right, to say. Yeah. Seven years ago, I arrived in Dar es Salaam uh, for the first time and a guy that I met in Nairobi is helping me to organize uh, a meeting with some artists and small labels because he really liked my talk at a conference in Nairobi and he said, please come here, you can, you can help some of the people in Tanzania. I'm very excited, never been to Dar, love the place, get there. I have the time to walk around and have a bit of a sense of the town. There's an artist who comes to me and say, you really need to help us. I say, sure. I say, in this country, the pirates are not even pirating music anymore. They're only pirating DVD. I used to like the fact they were pirating my music because, because at least it was they were visible. The word, yeah. They will spread my music. Today they're not even doing it. I have no way to spread it. And I say, wow, that's interesting. I've never heard that problem. Yeah. So it's like in their head, the pirates said, music is not worth it. I make more money selling some Korean dubbed uh, TV Movie, shows yeah. yeah, and movies and selling my Tanzanian gospel music. Why? That I didn't go try to understand. Maybe things have changed. But look, as you said, we, we're generating now some, some streams in Tanzania. The revenue is still small, but it will, it will grow. It will get there. Yeah. I think one of the things that sort of curbed uh, piracy, if you look at earlier, and I want to get your thoughts on this as well, is that earlier in digital music, you had sort of open platforms. So you had your iTunes, which allowed you to upload your own MP3s. You had your music match jukeboxes and all those things. But with uh, major labels getting involved, especially the top three, getting involved in streaming, it sort of locked down those streaming services. You can't 
upload your own song. So you can't go and copy a CD or download free music and then upload it. I think except for Spotify, I'm not sure if they still offer that service. But most of them, like Apple Music, Tidal, etc., you can't just go download from a pirate site and upload it to your streaming service. And I say that because the experience has become such that when I'm listening, I just think of myself. When I'm listening to music... I don't want to be, I create my own playlist. I don't want to be going out of the app I'm using to listen to your album that you release privately somewhere on your own site. I want to be able to listen to it on that. So I think one of the things, and you can disagree or agree with this, you can tell me your thoughts, is they found a way to lock down the, the digital experience. Look, the, the, the platform is a closed platform. Yeah. So they cannot host um, music that has not been cleared. So if the music is not coming through a process, a distributor that can clear the music on their behalf, because we are protecting Apple as well. Yeah, yeah. If we upload music that we don't have the rights, Apple can come back on us. And if there's a conflict and somebody else says, but why is he uploading that music? That music is mine. We have to deal with the other party and we do it sometimes whenever it occurs. Um, the, the second reason is that as I said before, there are two rights in the music business. You've got the singer, songwriter, I mean the songwriter, songwriter composer right. yeah. rights, the publishing and the master right. So you might have the master right, but you might not have the songwriter right. So it's, it's, uh, they need to make sure they protect it. So a platform of like Spotify or, or Apple or whatever worth billions of dollars cannot take the risk of, of taking illegal music on the platform like a mixtape with some samples and are not being cleared, cleared or whatever yeah. it is. They have to be able to protect, otherwise they can't. Um, what you're saying is that finding a way where you can mix the two and being able to listen to your, to create your playlist where you can mix the music that you take illegally with the music you take illegally. Or even if it's legal, I mean, you get some artists, some independent artists will release an album on their website, for instance that they feel they can generate. And you see this a lot with uh, pre-orders. So instead of releasing it, so they'll still go on streaming, but for a pre-order, they'll say pre-order on my website so that they can collect or capture as much of the value as possible. Then a week or two after releasing that, or even max a month, they put it on streaming services. Yeah. But today, everybody, any artist is going to, I mean, if you have the rights, going to upload to and go to a streaming service. That's a problem there. That's another thing, and that's the reason why we're being so selective. Ask that question. I don't think people know how many songs are being uploaded every day. It's a lot. I've seen the numbers. It's 40,000. Yeah. There's 40,000 songs every day. 40,000. Some of them are not even songs. Yeah, so you've got like what? 40,000 is 1.2 million a month. It's 14.4, whatever it is. 14, 15 millions a year. So we went from 30 million to 25 million, the big number, then 35, then 60, 70. It's going like crazy. Where is it going to stop? Out of the 70, and there's another number, I don't know if it's still valid, that out of 25 millions, I think there was maybe like 10 million of songs were never been streamed more than once. So there's a That's lot of scary. noise. That's yeah, of course. Yeah. So it's, it, it democratized the access today. I mean, I mean that's, that's the really an important point. I mean, I think what really changed the music business is not, not just the consumption change, but in the 80s, 90s, and before, as an artist, you needed to sign to record label. 
you yeah. have to because yeah, for distribution yeah because to get to the stores you need the record labels to be able to record you need to go to a recording studio which most artists didn't have the money to go when the video came in the 80s and then 90s video was very expensive so you won't be able even to fight and 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 uh, against the, the the signed artist at that time the value chain was most of the time owned by the majors so the majors will somehow have their own recordings you know they they will promote market distribute um deliver to the stores you know do all the work of course you have the stores with the advance of digital technology first of all most people record the album in the they don't have to go to a studio to record it. Yeah, they do it in bedrooms. You want some strings, you don't have to go to Budapest to, or to go to uh, the ACBC studio and, and get 25 string people to do your strings. You get a, a plug-in on strings. Not always as good as the real thing. I do but for a starter music artist, exactly, yeah, it works. So you democratize completely the, the recording industry. The second thing is, Videos, I've seen people doing videos for $300, 5,000 rand, of very good quality. A good idea, a good video. It's good enough to create some buzz and, and to even be played on, on a trace. And on a, you know, it looks mm. like a 100,000 video. They've, their friends help them and you know, they just leverage all the relation they've got. But the software to edit on the cameras, I mean, now you can shoot on your phone. So it has completely democratized. The distribution, which was completely locked, is completely democratized. We are very selective, but there are other stores, there are other distributors. You know, you can just upload your music, pay, swipe credit card, swipe, and it will be delivered. Yeah. It might not be promoted and marketed to the stores, but it will be delivered. Your song will appear there. So this has been democratized. So would you say that's another value you guys add in terms of not just being a people who upload songs, you help the artist in one way or another, by being selective, to sort of plan and promote, etc., and the relationships with the, with the stores. We, 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 f we believe that. If we didn't believe it, if we don't think we do that, then what, why we should exist? You know, I mean, that's really the point. If what we're doing is not good enough and doesn't differentiate us from the competition or the form of competition, why would people come? Are we just playing on the ignorance? I mean, we're the first one to tell them, you know, a lot of the time people come or from the majors to us or from those type of stores to us. So they've had some success or lack of success. They, their complaints will be, I've got an issue, nobody's responding to me. I don't understand how it works. Can you help? What type of support? I mean, you know, we, when we met with your colleague, yeah. we met around an evening of an artist that was on one of those platforms that we really enjoyed. We approached them and nine months down the line they became Deezer Next which is uh, Deezer selecting them as one of the most promising talent from Africa Yeah, and we where they received some money to create some content which was beautiful content created for that you know audiovisual video that they created and three new tracks I believe that will have not happened I can I don't believe I know it would have not happened if they stayed with the, on the, with the distributor that they were before and they know that. Now, our point to, always is to say, okay, as the artists grow, how do we add more support to help them navigate their growth and support their growth? Because an artist at the beginning doesn't need the same you know, support than an artist who's more, more established. Yeah. 
And the second question that people should ask themselves in this industry is, why would some artists go to majors when they can do their things themselves? And the question is, some artists require the support and some artists want a bit of the, don't want to spend their own money. But the deal that you'll have with, if you have a classic deal, is a deal where the major record label will own your music for life. And if it, they don't own for life, they're trying to own it for 20 years. But you can negotiate those terms, can't you? Less and less. If the major is going to put you money, they will do it. Of course you can negotiate. Yeah. But a lot of the time, I mean, now more and more they want 20 years, 10 plus 10. And you will get between 20 and, and 25, 30% royalty for that. Now, if your main market is here and you have the connections of the radio and you have a bit of money, you might decide, I don't want to go to majors. Chance the rapper, decide not to go through the majors. There's a lot of artists in the US and Europe who say, no, I don't need to. Yeah. I don't see the value. I prefer to keep my, my, um, my master's my asset to myself. I prefer to keep the lion's share. I am well organized. I've got a good manager. And it fits more my, my thinking and the way I want to operate. Now, I'm not saying that one is better than the other. It's that they're different type of artists with different type of needs. And they are different type of um, support available for them today. And it takes different skills and resources. I mean, to, to just go it out on, on your own. Yeah, but I think you need to, of course. But I do think that even if you were assigned to major, you should know what's happening and drive it. I worked for major for many, many years. If I've got a manager, you know, most of the artists that work are very strong managers. The ones who were successful. Yeah. They will drive you. They will make sure it works. They make sure they understand what's happening. They make sure they ask the right questions. You know, I had a manager who was like, not me, there was a manager of a big, big international artist, I won't say who it is. I will call my colleague and say, we've gone down on that radio in Denmark this week from 28 plays to 21 plays. Please check. This looks bad. It's an indication. He knew the pattern. Yeah, yeah. Of, and he's a US-centric, US manager. He will know the pattern of the radio stations. What he does, he will look at all of it. And, and he was right. There was something happening. We didn't yeah. pick it up. He picked it up. The guy in Denmark could have picked it up, but he didn't tell us internationally. So in back, no, 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 no. Because he knew he was going to play in Denmark in six weeks, and he wanted to make sure the airplane was going to still go up. Why is it going down? Now, by putting that pressure and understanding the patterns, he was able to make sure that you know the, the heat was still very on his artist. Yeah. Um, you've worked with artists. I mean, how, how's the education... I say this sensitively. I mean, there's always, every year, I'd say, there's always stories of artists complaining about a major record label or just even an independent record label robbing them or something to that effect. Would you say, in your experience, would you say it's a function of artists always not understanding what, what's, what's happening, the relationship between themselves and the record labels and the contracts involved and the processes involved? Or is it, which is another angle, a case of artists not managing their careers well and when it comes to bad times, they find the record labels as a scapegoat? I mean, you can't, Or are record labels really that bad? No, you can't blame either of them completely. You can't put the blame on either of them totally. So there's, I think there's a lot of all of that. The record labels have sometimes some complex contracts 
where they will advance you some money, but it's recouped. But the problem is you don't always realize. So I work with some very big artists who they will see the competition going in tour with 25 musicians and big decor and a hairdresser and a chef and everything. And they said to the manager, I want the same. But that's all costs. That comes of the artist that runs. The manager will get us to pay the record label. But we're recouping it. Yeah. So the artist might sell 5 million albums. But between the cost on the video, the cost on the live, the cost on the recording, the cost on the wardrobe. I mean, I had, I had an artist where the cost of the hairdresser was $5,000 a day. <laughs> what kind of hairstyles are those? And it, she had a ponytail. That's true. She was growing her hair at that time. $5,000 a day. And the manager told me, you're lucky. J-Lo is, charging, is being charged $8,000 because it's Hollywood prices. This is for music. Hairdresser only. Hairdresser only. So, wow. so they were, and that was 17 years ago, 16 years ago. So you, um, there can be some crazy space. Now, most of the people you see, you know, don't go through those type of, I mean, this is the extreme. So not yeah, yeah, let, let's not picture the extreme as a way to explain what no, happened yeah. because it would be too easy. There are sometimes ways of, uh, sometimes I think that one could audit a record label if you think it's really bad. Yeah. Um, but you need to understand. You need to understand the, the cost, what costs have gone through. Also, you can't, as an artist, always rely on your manager. You know, you need all your accountant. You need to check. So you would say they need to get some education of uh, basics, From understanding time time the basic, look, yeah, the look, basics. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and it's the same thing for a CEO of a company. No, true. You know, you can, you can't say I'm relying on my accountant. If the accountant is not doing the job well. Or they're the shaving end, some money off the top. Or shaving some money, which happens. Yeah. Or the accountant decided to put the money a certain way and not the other, not trying to do anything wrong. But you didn't double check it. At the end, you're going to be the culprit. You can say, but he, he did it, but yeah, it's you. The, the back ends with you. The back ends with you. At the same time, the back ends with the artist. It's very tough to be an artist. It's a very, very tough. It's a very, I've got a lot of time for artists. I mean, it's, people don't realize when they say, oh, he's got a big ego, whatever. Go on tour. Go and spend three weeks on a promo tour in, in Europe when I used to do that a lot of the time. Yeah. And you go to all the record labels to the promotions. Every day you arrive and they say to you, you're amazing, your album is amazing, the music, made me feel, you know, because they're really enthusiastic about it. You, you move from good hotels to another good hotels where you've got room service and dry cleaning and everything done because it's your life. When you arrive, it's normal to get, you know, once you get used to that, it's normal to get some expectations and, and things to yeah. happen. It's, for me, I'm always finding amazing, all those artists, which is the majority, who keep the head calm, head cool, doing their job because it's, it's a crazy job. And if you haven't been there, and also it's a job where you, you keep doubting, is my next song going to be a hit? It's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bit volatile. It's yeah. art and it's only you. You know, if, if it fails, it's you. So you can blame the other people around you if it's a bad video, bad whatever, bad marketing plan, not enough money, whatever. It's hard. It's a super hard job. You're completely naked. And, you know, you can't do that business without at least having respect or liking the artist and the music. Because without them, there's no business. 
And I think on that note, as I said in the beginning, without music, as you say, there's no business. I think without music, as Nietzsche said, it, life would be a mistake. Uh, you all, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Tifomohapi Show, which is broadcast by iAfrican Radio. To be notified of future episodes of this podcast and any other shows from iAfrican Radio, please visit radio.iafrican.com. That is radio.iafrican.com and subscribe. You can catch future episodes on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Also, don't forget to leave us a review and rating of the show on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow me on Twitter at Tefomohapi, which is T-E-F-O-M-O-H-A-P-I. And also don't forget to follow iAfrican2 on Twitter at I-A-F-R-I-K-A-N. Hot. Hot. <laughs>